you've actually like really inspired me and you've played a huge part in me getting the Dexcom. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I really yeah. am. I really am. Yeah, because, you know, I, I think like for me on this whole journey with type 1 diabetes, especially from the beginning, there was, you know, there's like a, a really big stigma oh, yeah. attached to it. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and coming from the health and fitness arena, you like know, if you I, have I, diabetes, you're not fat, you know, that whole, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, and, and, uh-huh. And, I, and I didn't want people to look at me like I was sick, mm-hmm. or like I was a patient, mm-hmm. or like, you have a disease, I had a disease, yeah, I know, I hate that word, you know, I hate that word, I know, so I know. for a long time, I kept it really quiet, mm-hmm. I didn't talk about it, um, I actually, the only time I would even talk about it with anyone outside of my family was when I would have a client that would come in that yeah. actually had type 1 diabetes. Right. That was the only time I ever right. spoke about it or with really close friends. Yep. So I've kept it really quiet and it's really just been more recently within the last 18 months that I've been more vocal about it because yep. I think the, the disease is incredibly misunderstood. Even as, uh-huh. even as a, an exercise science major, when I first went to the doctor and she looks, I told her all my symptoms and she looks at me and she goes, you have diabetes. Yeah. No way. I was in shock. Yeah. Because the only thing I'm thinking of is, okay, well, I'm 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Type one diabetes is when you're a kid. Yeah. Right. Yep. Juvenile. Yep. Oh, this is all I'm thinking. You know, I'm trying to go back into my memory bank about what I've learned about diabetes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that might've been like freshman year. So I'm trying to like, how do I have diabetes? How could I? Yeah. Well, if it's not type one, I'm not a kid anymore, it must be type two. Right. And how could that be? I'm I'm healthier than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I just lost my dad, so I was kind of like in this zone of trying to do everything perfect. Yep. And trying to just like nail everything perfectly because I just needed control. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if anything, I was actually healthier than I've ever been. I was working out more than I ever had. And um, yeah, I just got incredibly, incredibly sick. You know, yeah. I believe it was the result of losing my. Father. I was going to say it could have been that they say that a trauma can, um, for whatever reason, spur the immune system to do the initial attack. And I've heard of that. You know, people losing a family member. It can be a virus. They said illness can do it, but stress, any sort of major life stress, can trigger someone who has that switch that type one switch to just flip on so i completely think that could have been what it was well my 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 dad passed away the end of november and then by february i was in the hospital (laughs) i'd put money on it yeah Yeah, i would i I would yeah coincidental and um so i i really kept it secret for a long time and the more i keep talking about it Mm -hmm. the more people more people keep coming forward and telling me their story. Oh yeah. Whether it's whether you know they have it or it's whether their family member has it mm-hmm. or their, their child has it. Mm-hmm. Tonight I'm meeting with um, at the studio just just to really chat. One of my other clients, his son, he actually lives out of state, but he's coming to visit for the holidays. His son has type one diabetes, okay. so he's in his twenties. Um, I'm guessing there's some room for improvement. Yeah, right. On yeah. his blood sugar control. So I'm so excited to be able to sit down and talk with him and tell him what I've learned oh, over the last year or two. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that that's really even come about is because I've opened my mouth and I've been more vocal about it. Uh-huh. You know? So it sounds almost kind of cliche, like you know, someone's coming out talking about their disease yeah. now and like now. But it's 
that's what I feel really an affinity to do. Oh, absolutely. You know, I feel like, like there's a lot of people that are suffering, mm -hmm. a lot of young people. I've had clients 16, 17 years old where their A1C is, they come in, I'm like, oh, what's your A1C? And they tell me it's 9.5. Yeah, and oh yeah. 16 years old. Yep. So, um, so there's a lot of people suffering. We already know the long-term complications and I just wanna keep the conversation going because it's my most recent conversations yep. with you, mm -hmm. with, with Maria, with um, Irina. Mm -hmm. Do you know her? I don't, no, okay. I don't. That's yeah. one of Maria's friends. Okay. Yeah. Um, but she's got this big network of moms that she's been meeting with and, mm -hmm. and they just collab. Oh, yeah. You know, and all, all the latest and greatest technologies and, and different ways to control oh, the disease. We have this group on Facebook that Maria and I are a part of, and I am telling you, it is like the best thing since sliced bread because anytime someone finds a product or tries a technology or does it, they post about it and you learn so much. And it's funny because we actually, you, <laughs> these companies must love it because someone will say, we just found cereal, this low carb, high protein, and it's delicious. It's like Fruit Loops. Ever someone says, you have to try this cereal. So 50 of us go and like, try this cereal and the cereal's amazing. But it's, it's this word of mouth. It's, it's talking about it. I have to tell you, by someone like you talking about it, I appreciate it so much as a mother because my poor daughter being diagnosed at six, I, I hate that she has to feel embarrassed or, you know, that there's something, because there is such a stigma. We, she's had kids come into school, you know, so-and-so said that you got that because you ate too much sugar. She goes, no, I didn't, you know, and that's, and that's not how it works. So the more we can get it out there that there shouldn't be a stigma, you shouldn't be embarrassed. I don't think anyone is embarrassed if they get lupus or if they get, you know, any other autoimmune disease, you're not, you might, you might hate it, but you're not embarrassed about it. So there shouldn't be any embarrassment about type one. It's the same disease process. It's just a different organ that it attacks. You know, so the more we can talk about it, the less there has to be shame or hiding it and the more understanding there will be for it. Because the other thing you run into is people who don't understand it, don't really have sympathy for a kid whose blood sugar is low. They're like, well, just motor through it. Or if their blood sugar is high and they feel terrible, well, just deal with it. And it's like, well, I, I can't, you know, it's so, so I, I really appreciate people like you talking about it because you are not the face of diabetes as most people would know it. So I, I as a mother, I, I like getting the conversation out there oh, like that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, and, and what I'm realizing now connecting with these other moms that have kids with diabetes, type one diabetes, is that you know these kids are going through a lot emotionally. Oh yeah, and, yeah. You know, for me, I'm, you know, like I tend to consider myself pretty tough overall. Mm -hmm. Like I can I can deal with a lot. I can deal with a lot of stressors all at once, and I and I tend to manage it pretty well. I, I would say, but when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, and mm -hmm. you're trying to figure yourself out and mm -hmm. who you are, and 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 then you know you of course at that age everyone wants to be like I was gonna say you want to be the same as everybody <laughs> you know? yeah yeah percent yep and um. I've been with this group of moms that I've been talking with, you know, some of the kids are having a really tough time. Yeah. You know, even just recently, I was talking with one of the moms and her son who was just diagnosed, he's 11, mm -hmm. and he was diagnosed, I think within the last year, he, the kids and the ridicule at school. Oh, and I, yeah. And how they were saying, you know, someone actually came into the school 
to talk about uh, diabetes and type mm -hmm. 1 diabetes. And some of the kids around him were even like chanting certain things oh. about like, we don't want to be around anyone with diabetes. We don't want to catch diabetes. Yeah. And listen, they're kids. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I don't, maybe we can influence the kids around the kids that have diabetes. Mm -hmm. I think we can. That's a big project. Yeah. I think that's going to come through getting this word out there more. But I think even on a more immediate front, if we can start helping with the kids that do have it, mm -hmm. absolutely, them to shape their their mindset and their perspective, and that it's so hard when they're trapped in that current moment and and not being the same and feeling absolutely. different and all those emotions that go with that. But if we could try to help with their perspective and let them realize like this is a short little baby time in your life oh absolutely none of what these kids say is gonna matter uh-huh and like if we can get it away and maybe it's not you saying it a lot of times it's you know you don't listen to your parents oh absolutely you might listen to somebody else absolutely you know? so you know for the kids that that do have it in that you know five six seven eight nine year old range mm -hmm. just you know I want them to know that anything that the kids are saying now you fast forward 15, 20 it's years, which goes yeah. by an eye blink, mm -hmm. none of it's going to matter. Yeah, it's a blip. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, it's important for the kids that have it to realize that those kids really don't understand. Exactly. And I think it's important for the kids that do have it to not spend a ton of time trying to get them to understand, but more focused on how they're going to deal with it. It's true. You know, it's spend true. that energy on that because... They're going to have way too many fires to put out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It really does focus you on what is important. You know, with my daughter, too, she kind of learned. She's, she's, she sounds like you. She's kind of tough as nails. She doesn't put up with a whole lot. And I, I'm so thankful for that because no one really messes with her because she, they just kind of know she's not going to tolerate it. But it's, it's in her life put the emphasis on what's really important. I'm gonna surround people who make me feel good about myself and who are going to almost, you know, her best friends are the ones who are the ones, that, are you all right? You know, do you need anything? I'll get you a glucose tab, you know, like those friends, instead of the people who would go like, ooh, you know, she's surrounded herself with really, really great people. In fact, on her, so her soccer team, they're this, the greatest girls, um, they're all really great athletes and they almost protect her in a way. They fight over who can go get McKenna a glucose tab or what sometimes she'll have to do like a change to her pump. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they all know how to do it, which is amazing because they've all learned. And so you, in a way it can, if you have the right mindset about it, refocus you onto the people you really want to be around as the people who are just going to, you know, give you a hard time, whether it's diabetes or something else. And that's interesting. And what, was there a conversation? So when was your daughter diagnosed? She was six. She six. was six and in kindergarten. She was diagnosed. Yeah. So there she really was a little wasn't one. much of a conversation that was had between like her and her peers. No, right? not was... really. In a way, I was thankful that she was diagnosed then because there's still at that age, very innocent, there was a lot of questions, um, which is normal and natural. And I was actually glad they were asking the questions because then they can understand, no, you can't catch it. It's not contagious. It's not from eating too much sugar, even though people still say that. Um, it kind of became just a part of what 
she had to do on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, McKenna has to go to the nurse before lunch. McKenna has to check her blood sugar if she doesn't feel well. And at first, she was very upset about it because she was getting pulled out of the classroom. She was, it was disruptive, but then it just became kind of a slightly annoying part of her day. And then, like we were discussing before, as technology has gotten better and better, I mean, literally every six months to a year, there's some amazing new innovation that makes her life even easier. It's become more background noise for her and the kids who have known her since kindergarten. We're lucky we live in a small town. Most, you know, she plays town sports and um, most people know her. They just kind of know like, oh, that's McKenna. Yeah, she's got type one. It's really not a big deal, you know, and they don't give her a hard time about it. Um, I think the older you are, you get into that kid like when 11, 12, 13, that's a rough, that's a rough time to get diagnosed. And I really do feel for kids because that's, I think as she enters middle school now, you just want to be like everybody else. You don't want to be different. You don't, you just want to fit in. And so something that sticks out like that is, is difficult. And kids who are, can be mean, you know, you know, what I try to tell, you know, McKenna, it hasn't happened to her too much, but if it's not diabetes, it would have been something else. Everybody's fighting a battle. Everybody's got some issue, whether you can see it or not. If they weren't gonna pick on you about that, it probably was gonna be something else because kids can just be jerks, you know? And it's, like you said, it's a blip. You have to kind of just put your head down and get through it. You look back and you say, annoying, you know? Couldn't pay me to go through middle school again. I did not like those years. But it's, it's a blip in time. And, and I, think, I think you nailed it too. At, you know, at five, six, seven years old, kids are much more accepting. Absolutely. And I feel like they're much more loving. And then Absolutely. once you start getting more towards those teenage years, mm -hmm. that's when 11, the, the walls start coming up. And, yep. um, and that's where you know, that indifference mm -hmm. really starts shining through. Absolutely. I almost feel like if they're five or six, better off to get it then than like mm -hmm. 11. Oh, absolutely. Because then as they have that transition to get used to it and the kids around them kind of know. Absolutely. So they're growing up with all the same kids. Yep. So even if they meet new kids in middle school and there's, you know, new groups of kids that they're hanging out with, they still have their core group absolutely. that was like going to run to get the glucose tab for them. Absolutely. And so people, yeah. all those other kids kind of see uh -huh. those kids accepting. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and that's part of acceptance. Once you see that these kids are okay with it, you're probably gonna feel like the jerk who's gonna start picking on that kid about that thing that all the other kids don't think is a big deal. You know, I think that there, it's, it's in a way, if you're, you're gonna get diagnosed with it, that, that age bracket is probably the easiest time to get diagnosed. It's never easy, but that's probably the easier one, I should say, than getting the, you know, the teenage years, I think, are very difficult. Not only because of that, but because what I'm seeing with her now, growth hormones, puberty hormones. It throws everything into a tailspin. So not only are you dealing with getting diagnosed at a sensitive age um, emotionally, physically, it's, uh, it's a nightmare. So you're probably dealing with more intervention, more fluctuations, you're probably feeling worse because you don't have that experience under your belt that you can kind of smooth the, the ride out a little bit. So not only you're dealing with it on two different fronts, I think it's probably very, very difficult to do that. And I want to talk more about that, but I also want to touch a little bit on, you know, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let's back up <clears throat> to, so she was diagnosed at six, six mm -hmm. and she's how old? 11. 11. 12. She just turned 12. Just turned 12. <laughs> yeah. Just a couple weeks ago. So let's, let's rewind. Tell me a little bit about the, 
the beginning. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how you even knew that oh, yeah. she had diabetes. What were her initial symptoms? Really kind of back it up to like that first time where you go, you know what, something's not something's right Something's wrong. Yeah, she... Um, she started getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom a lot, you know, and, and we would just hear her running up and down the hall. And I, I don't know, I thought it was weird, but I thought, I don't know, maybe she's just getting, you know, into a phase where, you know, sometimes they wake up in the middle of the night, they want to come in bed with you. I just kind of shunned it off. I noticed she was drinking a ton of water. Um, she was just, she would take a water bottle like that and just go like she was, you know, like she had never had anything to drink in her life. And I thought, well, that's weird, but okay. So there's a lot of that. And she was just irritable, just not herself anymore. And I thought, okay, maybe she's growing. And you're trying to justify all these things because my, my father-in-law had type 1. And I, um, but I didn't know a whole lot about it, to be honest. I just knew he had diabetes and he had to take insulin. And, and that was kind of it. So I had never researched what are the signs or the, you know. And so we kind of kept going that way. Um, probably... I don't know, not very long. I got a call from school saying she's just not herself. There's just something wrong. And I, I looked at my husband like, I have to take her to the doctor. I don't know, maybe she has a UTI. It had been maybe a week, maybe a week and a half that we had been noticing these things. And I thought, there's got to, I'm just going to have her brought in and checked out. So I called the doctor. They had me in, you know, we'll see you in a couple of hours. And in the meantime, I got on the computer and I was like, I looked at my husband, I'm like, I think she has diabetes. And he said, no, there's no way. I don't have diabetes. Because it kind of it skipped a generation. And you're thinking, no, no, no. And I'm like, no, she has every symptom. She has every symptom of having, you know, those initial, you know, what are the warning signs? And sure enough, we brought her in. And I, th I said, I think she has a UTI, but I don't know. She's urinating a lot. She's drinking a lot. And they, they did like a, a dipstick, and it turned black. I mean, there was so much, like, glucose there. Um, I remember the nurse's face. It was just, it was a horror. I, I sat down. I knew immediately what was going on. And I knew it, everything had just changed, like, in a split second. Um, and, yeah, we were in the hospital for three days. Her A1C was an 11. Um, so she had been running high for a very long time. Um, she was really sick. They said another 24 to 48 hours she would have gone into a coma. She was in DKA. Um, so they, they, in those situations, they have to bring your blood sugar down very, very um, gradually, it's so di yeah, it's it's know. diabetic ketoacidosis, which is where your body, you're not producing insulin anymore, um, so your body cannot flush out the glu, it can't convert the glucose into energy. What happens is your body becomes incredibly acidic, and what happens then, um, very quickly you can go into a coma, you can die. Um, it's it's very serious, and she was in DKA. They said another 24 to 48 hours, and she would have been in a coma. So. I feel very lucky that we got that call from school. I don't know if I would have put it off another day, you know, because we learned that she must have a very high threshold for being very uncomfortable. Um, but she was very sick. They brought her glucose down over the course of three days. Um, and that's about how long it, it took to get her. And that was only to get her back into the 200s, which is still very high. You know, I would say we went home, she was running around 175. Um, it was a it was a rough it was a rough ride. It really was. We got lucky with a great endocrinologist who we still see. He's phenomenal. Um, just the most. Uh, he he listens. He he educates himself about anything new that I hear. 
he's he's phenomenal. We did meet him. That was the one upside to the, the hospital trip, but it was it was a rough it was a rough go. And then, what was the what did you guys actual diabetes management right? Because there's you know there 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 is so much to learn about oh, yeah. it and to try to figure out you know there's medications and mm-hmm. there's medical devices and mm-hmm. medical supplies to help you manage this, this mm-hmm. disease. So what was kind of like the first line of defense? Because I mean, five years ago is like, is a lifetime ago. Oh, absolutely. Te- technology advances. Absolutely. So like, what was the first, what was your first line of defense? It was not much. <laughs> it was um, finger sticks all the time. Uh, she would prick her finger. I think I mentioned you 12 to 15 times a day, sometimes more, because if she's running out of range, you're going to want to test her to make sure she comes back into range. Uh, we were giving shots, so she got two kinds of insulin injections. You have your basal insulin, which is your long-acting 24-hour-a-day insulin that's supposed to keep you level. And then your short-acting insulin, she took Humalog, which is the insulin you give yourself for food, or if your blood sugar is running high, we would give her corrections with that. Um, the endocrinologist, again, he's very progressive. He said, I'll get you a pump. I'll get you a pump right away. And she was, I don't want a pump. You know, she was little and scared and she saw this big thing and she thought, I don't want that attached to me. She was terrified of it. So we were with, we went three years with injections only. Um, we did eventually get her, um, as we've talked about a Dexcom which is the electronic glucose monitor. It took, I want to say, a year and a half before she was ready to, or two years, or two years, um, before she was ready to try that out. But that was a, that was a, uh, her, her doctor likes to incentivize her with a certain things. If you do this, then your mom will get you this, you know, because he really does see the benefit of these technologies. And um, he said, just, just try it, just try it for a little while and see. And it took her about, three days of wearing that where she's like, I'm never getting rid of this. And it, she, it just changed her life. So that was the first, but it took a while. It took a while. I had a, a similar progression. It just took yeah. me a little longer. Yeah. You know, I was, so I was diagnosed at 30 and then I did the finger pricks mm-hmm. for five and a half years. Yeah. Almost, almost, yeah, five and a half, six years. Yeah. And for me, it actually wasn't so much about just having to prick my finger so much mm-hmm. to see where my blood sugar was at. It was more that I was just, there were so many times where I was in the dark. Mm-hmm. So, you know, running my own business, I, you know, there's a lot of times where there's just not an opportunity Absolutely. for me to, or it could just be even on a more basic level. I mean, I could be driving my car. I could, you know, so I started doing things that were kind of risky to check my sugar when I didn't feel well. Yep. I'm driving. Yeah. I'm on the parkway. I can't pull over. Yeah. But it, am I just imagining I don't feel well? Yeah, I know. Uh huh. You know, there's there's times where, you know, for me, I'm I'm in a good range, but at the lower end of the good range, mm-hmm. and sometimes my clarity can be so strong mm-hmm. that I almost feel like I'm about to go low. Yeah. Absolutely. So there I am. I'm driving. I'm steering with one knee. Yeah. You know, with um, your stuff out, like yeah. Stuff out, and <laughs> I had a little system to it, but then I got to this point where I'm like, this is, and hopefully, my mom doesn't. <laughs> listen to this part. Sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> but 
you know, I, I figured out a whole system to deal with it because mm -hmm. I really didn't want anything attached to me. That's the whole thing. It's wearing, because I, I have worn, I have not worn a Dexcom, but I've worn a pump. I wore the pump for a week when she, because I wanted to see what it felt like. It's a pain. I didn't like it. It itched. It was, you know, I got used to it after a few days, but I would knock it into things. And I, you know, she wears one where it's wireless. I bump it and, you know, I'd be working out and I'd knock into something. And I'm like, this thing is a pain in the butt. And it, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a hassle. So it's not, that's a lot of people are like, well, just get a Dexcom and go on a pump. And you're thinking, why don't you wear this for a little while and see how you feel? It's not easy. It's not easy. Let's talk a little bit about that. So, you know, most people just like myself, when I was first diagnosed, knew nothing. Mm -hmm. really. I mean, compared to what I know now, I really knew absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. I knew diabetes had to do with blood sugar. I knew, you know, insulin came from the pancreas. Mm -hmm. I knew all these anatomical things from my anatomy and physiology class. Right. But outside of that, as far as how to manage the disease and symptoms and expectations, mm -hmm. I was completely clueless. Yep. Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like now with the Dexcom, with the insulin shots, it's just second nature to me. Like yep. I, I get all of it, mm -hmm. but talk to me a little bit about the, the different devices, right? So we have this Dexcom, mm -hmm. we have, you mentioned the insulin pump, mm -hmm. you know, for parents, you know, there's going to be parents at some point that are probably going to end up listening to this where they hear some of those symptoms, right? Where maybe they're in the stage now where they're, you know, they're wondering, you know, which route they should go. Should they get a pump? Should they do the injections? Right. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, the Dexcom, mm -hmm. you know, exactly how that works and the pump and kind of just talk about the interchange there. Cause sometimes right. people are confused. Oh, absolutely. About, which about, is which, you know, yeah, which what, is what which, does what, what does what, mm -hmm. right? So talk, let's, let's talk about the pump versus injections for a second. Okay. Right. Cause that's, I guess you could kind of start with the Dexcom, but let's start with like the pump and the injection. Sure. So we actually, I'm, I'm very grateful we went the route that we did um, because of technology failures. And I'll get to that in a minute. We started out, as I mentioned, we had the two injections, did her long acting injection and the short acting. And I want to say that on diagnosis, pretty much everyone's going to go home. I don't know if you can get a pump in like a couple days in the hospital, but everyone's going to go home learning that system. And what we did the was the injections system. and the, yeah. the doctor in the hospital will get you on your way with figuring out your dosage. It changes all the time. As you probably know, after, um, diagnosis, when they get your blood sugars back into control, many people go through what's called a honeymoon, which is your pancreas kind of wakes up for a little while. It's kind of like eking out the last of the beta cells, the insulin producing cells, and your needs will fluctuate um, as you move on. They'll go down a little bit, they'll go back up. Um, so we would adjust her long acting insulin injection kind of based on trends that we were seeing. If she's running real high for a couple days, you know, you have to ramp that insulin up, that long acting. Um, if she was running low, you back it up. Um, so you, you learn that going home. What, there are different methods for dealing with your, what's called your bolus insulin, which is your insulin for food and for high blood sugars. What we did was we counted carbohydrates. We counted them very scientifically. And what you learn is you have a ratio. So when she was brought home, I want to say her ratio 
was one to 30, meaning she would take one unit of insulin for every 30 grams of carbohydrates that she would eat. So we would measure everything out on a scale and figure out, okay, she's gonna eat 65 units of um, carbohydrates. That would be about, you know, whatever it was, like two and a half units of insulin that she would have to eat or have to take. So we went on that system. Some doctors do, um, it's, it's kind of old school. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember what it's called, but it's like a, a different method for calculating your carbohydrates. It's like a, like a sliding scale. I think what people, I don't even understand what that is. Um, I don't like it. I, yeah, I don't know. It's. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very old school and some doctors still want people to do that. I think most don't. Um, so that's how we dealt with it at first. Um, the doctor who we had was always very progressive about pumps. You know, they send representatives to your house. You want me to send this guy? And I send this person. No, no, no. We were not interested at that point. She just did not want to have it. So that's how we were sent home with injections. Um, it's a very, even though you're counting your carbohydrates, what you learn very quickly is that your carbohydrates affect you in different ways. You have carbohydrates that hit you very quickly and you have carbohydrates that hit you later and then later and if you add in lots of protein and fat and depending on what you're eating different meals would have, she could spike very quickly she could spike four hours after she was eating it was difficult to know this because we didn't have a dexcom which we'll get to you're taking your blood sugar to figure out why is she at 225 three hours after eating shouldn't that have already hit her so the problem that i was encountering with injections was I would have to inject her a lot. You know, sometimes I'd have to inject her two, three times just for one meal, just to keep her in range, which is just so awful. As a parent, you feel, and your kid just hates it. You feel so bad. Um, so what I ended up doing was really altering the things that she would eat. So I knew this is all gonna kind of hit her at the same time. I only have to, I only have to inject her once um, instead of, you know, prolonging the agony over the course of hours. And that is something that the pump has been very helpful with, but we can, we can get to that in a little bit. Um, it, that's taken a lot of that, that burden away. Yeah, well talk, talk about that, it's a good okay. transition. So, so you got to a point where, okay, enough with the injections. Yeah. Let's have something, let's have a device that's mm -hmm. permanently really injected is, is yes. it subcutaneous it is okay. it is so it's subcutaneous so it sits right underneath the skin that that's going to be the device that administers the insulin absolutely versus you have having to manually to... give her a shot exactly and that's something I, I before we go into it i would like to address for anyone listening to this who doesn't know oh there's this misconception that if you have you have you had to get a pump because your diabetes was that bad and you think, no, there's no, there's no, first of all, there's no good diabetes. There's the type two is, is bad. Type one is bad. Um, everyone who has type one has to take insulin. And it's not about someone's type one being worse than that person's type one. Type one is type one. Your pancreas just doesn't work anymore. Um, so that's a misconception that I, I just, I always try to correct people and say, no, hers wasn't that bad. It's all that bad. It's just a different way to get your insulin. So what it does is she wears a pump called the Omnipod. And the reason why she chose this is because she is athletic. Most pumps will come. You have a tiny little infusion site, you know, somewhere, you know, usually on your abdomen. It's attached with a tube to a little box. And that's where you can control your insulin administration from. 
She did not want the tube. Even her doctor, she's probably going to yank it out, um, which would be a pain. She wears something called the Omnipod, which is, it's a little box. It's about, it's like a, maybe two and a half inches by one and a half inches. And you stick it on and it's controlled remotely from what's called a PDM or a personal diabetes monitor. And what you do, oh, sorry. This is good. I don't know who that is. Um, so what we do is every three days, I think with every pump on the market, you have to change them every three days because of, after that there's an infection risk. You have what's called um, a cannula that goes underneath your skin. It is kind of, it, it's put under there by means of a needle. It's like that. It, that's literally what it sounds like is a snap. Um, so when you go through the insertion process for her Omnipod, I basically sterilize her skin, put it on, you hit start pump on her PDM and it, you know, it injects a tiny little tube underneath her skin. And that's how your insulin goes in. Um, we make sure to rotate her sites. It's almost like with injections, you have to rotate your sites. Um, we make sure to rotate it around. She likes to wear it on her abdomen, sometimes on her back, but somewhere where she's not gonna knock it off or it's not gonna get in the way. And what's great about it is now you're not taking two kinds of insulin anymore. You're taking one kind of insulin. All it uses is facts acting. So it's the kind of insulin she was taking for her food or for high blood sugars. That's the only thing you put into the pump. With her pump, I put it all into that little box before I put it on her body. So you take a needle and you just inject all of her insulin into the pump itself. And what it does is in place of your long acting, which is the insulin that, that's in your body for 24 hours, it drips insulin into your body every minute, it drips in. What's great about it is that with long acting injections, you take one, typically maybe two injections a day and that's how much you get. I can program in her basal rate into her pump, meaning that every hour I can change how much insulin is going into her body. So if I know she typically goes high in the morning, I can drip in a little bit more in the morning and then I can back it off in the afternoon and at night. If she's going through a growth spurt, I can change it where I'm like, okay, she's going high at night. I know that'll probably last her three, four days. I'm going to bump it up at night and I can do all of this without having to worry about, um, when you're injecting long-acting insulin, once it's in there, it's in there. And if you've given too much, you're gonna be fighting lows all day long. With this, if I see that she's like, okay, she's starting to back off a little bit, like with puberty growing, it changes every day. If she's running high one day, I can bump it up. And within an hour or two, I can see her level out. With, if she starts to go back down and she's starting to run low, I can back that insulin up immediately, and within a couple hours, I see it level out, as opposed so just, to being you stuck. Just have, you just have just a, a tighter range. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah. And then going back to what we were saying with food. So now if she eats something that I know has a lot of protein in it, because protein, there's this misconception that you can eat all the protein that you want, and it's not going to affect your blood sugar. It does. It just affects it over a longer period of time. What I can do now with her pump is I can, cause once the cannula is in there, it's in there getting insulin at that point, you can't even feel it. So I can hit her up as many times as I want. And she doesn't need, sometimes she doesn't even know. I'll just sneak up behind her and do it as long as I'm within this five foot radius. So I'll know, okay, she's going to eat something that's going to hit her pretty fast, but she's eating a lot of protein. That's going to take a long time. 
I can do her initial bolus for the carbs that are going to hit her now. And then if I know she's going to eat a lot of protein, I can do what's called an extended bolus, which means that's probably going to take about two units. It's probably going to hit her over the course of four hours. And I can drip that insulin into her over the course of four hours instead of having to give her another injection later on. So you can really tailor your insulin to what you're doing that day or what you're eating that day without having to give multiple injections. It's just been phenomenal. Wow, that's really interesting. Love it. Because I've, um, I don't know much about the pump. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about the Omnipod. Yeah. I've never looked I've never looked into it. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't really know much about it. So that, that's interesting. It's really, we'll talk more. It's really, yeah. um, it's, it's been, a, it was one of those, she actually, she did not want the pump. She didn't want, she, we were doing just fine. Her A1Cs, once I kind of got, and we'll get to the whole eating thing, once I kind of figured out what I needed to do for her to, to keep her healthy, we were pretty good. I want to say after diagnosis, her highest A1C was a 6.1. And then, after that, we got into the five. So we were doing okay. We were doing okay with injections. She did not want the pump, and the endocrinologist kept saying, like, Lee, you've got to, you just got to try it. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. You've got to try it. But she didn't want it, so I didn't want to push her. I said, it's her body. It's her condition. I, I can't force her to do this. So, but he would pressure her every quarterly, come on, McKenna, come on, McKenna. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then one time, she made a mistake, and she said yes. And he goes, Done! And so he starts filling out all this paperwork. She wasn't paying attention to what he said, and she thought he asked a different question, and she said yes. And, but then she felt bad, and she didn't want him to stop filling out the paperwork. And so she got this thing, and she's like, Mom, I made a mistake. I don't, didn't really want it. She's like, but now I'll just try it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, let's just give it like a couple weeks and see what happens. And you would have to, you would have to pry the Dexcom and her pump out of her like oh, kung fu grip because she would never, we actually, we sometimes, I don't know why we talk about this, but she's like, if I had to give one up, what would I give up? And we, we have no idea because they're both, they're just our system at this point. It just works so well Okay, so she has, for us. So she has two different devices yes. that are basically attached to her that yes. can be removed yes at any time at any time yep right. so we have the omnipod which mm -hmm. is the thing that stores the actual insulin yes. the hormone that she needs to keep her blood sugar regulated yep. she also has the dexcom attached to her mm -hmm. as well Talk to me a little bit about what that device is doing so that device instead of the only way to measure your blood sugar is to either prick your finger or to have a Dexcom. And pricking the finger is, I'm sure that everyone has seen someone do it. You have a little device and it snaps a little hole into your finger and you have a meter um, with test strips and you put the blood on the test strip and it tells you what your blood sugar is. What the Dexcom does is it's, it's a, actually not, not very intrusive. It's a little, it, you wear a sensor, or I'm sorry, you wear a, tra oh, well there's a sensor, it's like a patch that you pop in a little transmitter. It's probably about a half an inch by an inch and a quarter. It's not very big. It's got a pretty low profile, maybe a quarter of an inch. You snap that into your sensor. The sensor has a wire. It's like a hair thin wire that goes under your skin. She typically, I'm doing this because she wears it on her arm, um, on the back of her arm. Um, you have an inserter and it basically takes that wire and inserts that wire under your skin. You snap that transmitter into that patch that has the wire in it. And what that does is measure your blood sugar for you every five minutes. And it uploads it to either a receiver 
which almost looks like an old school like iPod almost. It's yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. It's not working on my phone, but that's oh, okay. That's your backup. That's why I'm still rocking yeah, it. yeah, yeah. We even have an older one than that. Ours is like this boxy thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it uploads your data every five minutes to a receiver, or you can use your iPhone, which is phenomenal because what it allows me to do. It uploads the data to her iPhone. I can then follow that data on my iPhone. So I have virtual real-time access to her blood sugar every minute of the day, which is, as a parent, an, a, a life-changing, I don't know what we did before. <laughs> it really is. Um, I think of the anxiety that I had just sending her to school, sometimes knowing it's going to be a bad day today. She woke, I, I tend to find that with her, Highs beget highs and lows beget lows. If she wakes up high, it might be a rough day, especially when you're on injections. If she wakes up low, ooh, you know, all right, we might have a day when she's eating a lot of sugar to try to bring that up. Now I can literally at any point um, look at my phone and see. The other thing that it allows me to do um, is set alerts on my phone. I set them very tight. So I know if she goes below 80, it, my phone will alert. Yeah, if she goes, my alerts are set at 80 and 120. 80. So I set them very, very tight. I wanna know what's going on. Cause I tend to know if she's creeping up above 120, she's gonna need some a correction a, you know, of, of insulin. Um, so my phone, and what we do at, at school is I take over all of her management because I don't want her to be bothered in class with having to think, oh, my phone is alarming and it's distracting to other kids. We turn her alarms off. I keep my alarms on. So if my phone alarms, I can just, what she does now, she wears an Apple watch. I can text her and it pings on her Apple watch and all she has to do is look at her watch and I'll tell her what to do and she just does it. So it's a very minimally disruptive process as opposed to before when I was calling the nurse. Nurse had to go get her. Nurse has to bring her out of class. It was very disruptive. Now it's, it's literally, a five-second process, which is great, great. I love that system. Yeah, that's it's great. That's incredible. Yeah, the Apple yeah. Watch is new. That, that's another one, though, where she's like, I don't know what I did before this watch. She would have to keep her phone on her desk. Kids with type 1 are legally entitled to what's called a 504 plan in school. And what that does is it provides accommodations to any kid with a, with a disability. Type 1 is considered a disability. A lot of parents don't know this. Um, because a lot of schools don't want to give 504s. They're a pain. Um, one is considered a disability for children? Or everybody. For every, yeah, it's, it's, it's classified as a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So you would be entitled to accommodations under that act. And that is a federal law. It is applicable in every state. Every kid gets a 504. That. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, so it's um, a lot of people like, oh, I don't know if I get a 504 in my state. You get, I'm an attorney, I've researched this to the hilt, you get a 504 in your state. And every kid should have one. What it means is that a kid with type one has certain accommodations that they are entitled to in order to have a fair shot at school like everybody else. So for example, technology. She was allowed to carry an iPhone. Kids can't carry phones at school. She was allowed to carry an iPhone because that wasn't, it was a medical device. So she was allowed to carry that. They put it in her 504 that she can wear an Apple Watch because that's going to even further make her management less disruptive to her and to everybody. Sure. Um, what kids are also entitled to, typically in 504s, 
I have it in hers. If her blood sugar is high or low, you know it affects you cognitively. You can't think. She should not be required to take a test if her blood sugar is out of range. And again, I keep a very tight range. I can visually look at her and tell you if she is 140 or above. I can see it. Um, she's irritable. She's not herself. Um, it affects her very profoundly. She can't take a math test when she's there. So we knock on wood, we haven't had to invoke it yet, but if she has to take a test and her blood sugar is out of range, she is entitled to take that test when her blood sugar comes back into range, whether that's later in the day or whether it's the next day, she has that accommodation. Um, and, and yeah, so there's, it, 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 yeah, yeah. This part is a, is a whole new world. Right, yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. this is something that affects a school-age child. And it's something that I wish, I have talked to parents, because I have a legal background all over the country, whose school districts give them a really hard time about these things. I'm fortunate in that I do have a legal background and I live in a very accommodating school district. They basically have asked me, what do you want? And I've told them and they put it in her 504, or I review it, I sign it, and it's done. It's a five-minute process. Other people have to hire attorneys and they have to go through um, a court battle. I know someone right now in Utah who was, their, their kid got kicked out of school, public school, for having type 1. And they're now in the throes of a legal battle with their school district because they just said, we can't accommodate your child. They legally can't do that. Um, it's completely illegal. But that is now something they've had to hire an attorney for, and it's, it's a terrible situation. So you really run the gamut of hearing schools like mine that are, what do you want, to schools saying, sorry, we can't have your kid in school. We're going to send them to this school over here. And you're thinking as a parent, I don't want my kid to go to that special school. I want them to go to this public school. And they say, no, we're not going to allow your kid in school. Wow. So it really does run a big range. Yeah. What I think you know, people also don't realize is that, you know, when you have type one, yeah, there's a lot that changes, but you're still the same exact person. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're not. And that's you the know. thing. I hate that word yeah. because, you know, I have this daughter, she, she plays soccer. She, she plays actually like three sports. She does, she's a phenomenal student. She's not, you hate to think of your child as disabled. And I'm sure that goes for any parent with a child who has any sort of disability classification, that word just has like that, again, that stigma, there's something wrong with my child. Um, again, I think that the, the fact that diabetes is not understood well and that certain school districts will look at a kid or a parent and be like, well, this is your fault. Don't give yourself diabetes. And you're thinking, I didn't. <laughs> this is not, we don't, it, we didn't do this to ourselves. It's not something we could control, but they look at it as though you, you've done this to your child, so you go and fix it. We're not going to accommodate that student. So there's a lot of that, too. I think what, I don't know how this would ever happen, but I, something I think that ultimately would be helpful is if they actually called it something besides that. I agree. I agree. You know, so, I mean, when you just have diabetes attached to it, mm -hmm. even though it's type one, people are like, mm -hmm. ah, what's the difference? It's yeah. still the same no, thing. It is. You caused it to yourself. Yeah, you did this. Right? I've heard that too. Yeah, people saying like, some, call it something like autoimmune pancreatic, something where it's something where it's Anything not. Different. Yeah, because it really is. It's, you know, as a parent sometimes, it's really hard because you feel very judged. It's like, did you, did you just, did she drink too much juice? Or I'm like, no, you know, I didn't do this to her, you know, but you feel like, 
wow, I feel really rotten right now because someone, there are people walking around out there thinking you did this to your child. Oh, and you're thinking it's a, I never even thought about that. It's a terrible way to... Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I've thought about, you know, the, the stress it puts on you and mm-hmm. just how on top of it you need to be and how much it affects your life as a, as a caretaker. But, um, oh, wow, I didn't even think about the judgment there's that comes judgment. from other parents. Yeah, oh, there's, there's definitely judgment. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole reason that I kept it secret for so long. Yeah. Because I didn't want the judgment. Yeah. I, I actually thought less people would want to utilize my training services. Right, you because you must not be very good if you gave yourself diabetes, yeah. right? Yeah, you can't even I know. take care of yourself. Yeah. I'm not going to come to you. Yeah, and it's like, but, no. But what's interesting, <laughs> and it, it, like, what's, I believe, important for people to know is that they're super successful people. Oh, yeah. And, and top-level athletes that have type 1 diabetes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes when they were a kid, they were mm-hmm. diagnosed with it. Sometimes it, it, as an adult, you know, um, some people that just kind of pop out, in my mind, like in, in culture, is, you know, Nick Jonas from Nick the Jonas, Jonas Brothers. Yep, Jay Cutler, uh, the uh, quarterback for the Bears had it. I, yeah. There's, I, I can't think of his name, but there was a, a guy in the, I'm sure there's more than one, but there was a guy in the Olympics. I don't know if, if he was... There was a swimmer, I want to say, who had it. Um, I can't remember. I can't... Yeah, yeah. No, oh. there's... there's. T- I mean, it, it is... It spares no particular person. It is just... Again, it's autoimmune, and it's something in the way that we're wired up that for some reason it just it hits, and it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or a couch potato or a business exec or whoever you are. It's it it just it just strikes, and it, it's it's so unfortunate that again that there is that misperception of wow, you must have just really been lazy, or you know, you just eat poorly, or you know, yeah. Like I, I can imagine in your profession where it's about fitness and health and nutrition and all these topics for people to say, well, you must not know what you're talking about if you have diabetes. You know, it just, it's very, it must be very frustrating. I think it's still way more misunderstood than it's understood. Absolutely. But I think, I also think with social media, Mm -hmm. I think that that's, I, I think more people are talking about lupus and MS yes. and, uh-huh. and Crohn's disease and yep. hearing the conversation way more. Mm-hmm. So I don't, so I, I feel like, um, that stigma is still there, Oh yeah, but it's a, but it's a little bit more accepted. It you know, is. Like when I tell people, it's just like, Oh really? They're almost kind of surprised. They, they actually usually don't think that I did it to myself. Yeah. 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 You know, it's kind of just like, oh, how'd you get really? that? Yeah. Like the more kind of curious. So, you know, I've, I've been trying to be more vocal, even when I'm talking to new clients that are coming in mm-hmm. that are dealing with other autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to help paint the picture that, listen, I get it. Yeah. Like if, if you're dealing with something like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, or you're dealing with one of these issues and you're still trying to get your health in order. Yep. Like, I get it. Now, oh, absolutely. Granted, did I have an advantage? Yeah. I yeah. had an advantage. Like, if you let yourself go your whole life and you're 38 years old and then you're, sh- you're stricken with an autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. like, it's going to be an uphill battle. Oh, sure. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're going to oh, put, yeah. you're gonna have to have some real fortitude to get your health in, in, in order. It's so possible. I did have an advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, I really was. Healthy. I, I was so healthy. Yeah. And, and, but you know what, though? If, if I take a... If I take a look now, 
at how strong I was then, my mm -hmm. endurance, you know, pre-diabetes, mm -hmm. if I look at my strength, my endurance, my muscle mass, mm -hmm. actually all that stuff has actually gone up. Yeah. Which yeah. is really interesting. Yep. And is that a result of me having to be even more hyper-focused on my health? I, I think I, that's part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the other part too for, you know, for us guys, we get a little bit of a, of a perk if we're controlling our disease the right way because insulin does have, it tends to have an anabolic effect. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. You know, so for me, obviously I don't abuse it in any way. Like I just yeah. try to manage my diabetes, but you know, f for me, even since I was diagnosed, like I was, I put on much more muscle. You know, it's so time. interesting because my daughter, like I said, she plays sports and she actually, because she is... Um, she's, she's very driven by soccer uh, she's fortunate. She's, she's talented and she wants to stay in shape. So she comes to spin with me. She's 12 and she does spin and she's noticing I, it. I'm wondering because she's like, wow, I've got really strong muscles and she does. I mean, it's not just her. I mean, my husband and I are looking at her like, dang, like what's going on? I wonder if that's part of it. I've never thought about that. It, it totally could be because she's obviously low on the other muscle producing mm -hmm. hormones. So yeah. it, it certainly could help her. Interesting. And yeah. especially during those times where she's getting too much of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I think that if it's, I think if you, if she rarely goes low, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, she's still probably going to get some of those anabolic effects from it. Right. But especially those times, I mean, if your blood sugar goes low as a type one diabetic, I mean, for the, usually means that you have too much insulin in your system. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes you waited too long to eat. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, it was probably just, if you back it all the way up to the beginning, it was just too much yeah. insulin yep. to injected. Yep. Right? So you do get a little bit of an advantage there. Yeah. So I do try to find the bright side of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, we, like, it's like, all right. Like, I've never taken steroids. I've never, I was never big on taking any kind of, you know, I took a little bit of creatine, just like right. the, the, the baby stuff when I was in my early 20s. But right. I just never wanted to take like that hardcore no. next step because right. one of my goals, even from really from 18, 19, 20, was I always wanted to age well mm -hmm. and be super athletic, strong, and capable when right. I'm in my 50s, 60s, right. and 70s. That's right. what I was thinking about when I was 18. Yep. You know, I feel like maybe I'm just like an old soul. And, no, yeah. And like that's that was something that was like always on my mind, you know. So I never wanted to take antibiotic steroids. I never wanted to take like all these crazy supplements that, you know, probably would have given me some kind of advantage or work. But, but it's like, not it's not a longevity plan to do the, things like that. You can't be taking steroids. I mean, I don't know about steroids, but to take them for 50 years would probably not be a good idea. So yeah, you had it, you know. I, who knows, maybe I, need, maybe I need a little testosterone replacement therapy or something when I'm in like my 60s and get that little yeah. advantage. But you know, for now, I do try to find the bright side and I find that, you know, with now having this Dexcom, you know, I think like, kind of, you know, the thing that I really want to hone in on here is like, we need to keep this conversation going. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. And for me, you know, I was connected, I was doing some networking for my mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. This is basically how I found, I'm going to tell you a story, how I found Maria, how I found this other group of moms with kids that have type one diabetes. So I was networking for anatomy. Mm -hmm. I was at a, uh, a plastic 
surgeon's office okay. and the woman that ran the office, she said, hey, you know, I, I mentioned that I had type one diabetes, which in most business scenarios prior, I never did. So I happened to mention it to her and she said, she's like, oh yeah, she goes, my, uh, my sister, her, her child has type one diabetes. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, she's, she's kind of crazy with how she controls it. <laughs> but, she and me both, but yeah. <laughs> well, you should really reach out to her. And so I did, mm -hmm. and that was Maria mm -hmm. that I reached out to. We met for coffee, and I'll never forget that first time that we sat down in Ridgewood for coffee, and she told me how she controls Vince's blood sugar. Yeah. I was like, wow. There was 50% of me that thought she was like- Nutty. Like nutty. Yeah. There was 50% that was incredibly intrigued because of the result, because mm -hmm. the result that she was getting was incredibly well-managed blood sugar. Yeah. For a child, yeah, a child that you know, I'm thinking wants candy. That yeah. she's not even always by him, and he's he had a better A1C, which is um, a number that indicates long-term, you know, diabetes mm -hmm. health. He had a better A1C than I did. Yeah, and I thought, man, maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe there's something here. going on, right? So one thing led to another. We kept we kept in touch and we've really uh, I've learned so much from her so I hope that you know we can keep doing that and I, and I feel like you know we should do another episode oh where, I would love to you know, yeah where we, where we come on and because we can take one topic and just delve into that for oh I could go hour. on absolutely food oh are you <laughs> kidding I'm telling I I I, I adore Maria as you know she and I are very like-minded in the way that we manage our kids type one um I my father-in-law my that he passed away at 58 from complications due to type one and so when I was in the hospital I was just panicked I thought I, I can't she can't go down that road she can't go down that road and I kept saying that and the endocrinologist Kept looking, he's like, I can tell you by the way you are already, she's not gonna go down that road. But I knew immediately in the hospital, the way they were feeding her and what was happening to her blood sugars was wrong. I, it just, in my gut, I thought this, is, this, this cannot be, she can't, this isn't healthy. I, I, there's gotta be another way. And that's when I went out and I started researching, what do I need to do to keep this child healthy and stable um, the way that I would want her to be if she didn't have type one. And that's when I came across moms like Maria. And it is this uh, amazing, amazing journey that we've been on to get McKenna to where she is. Her last A1C was a 5.3. And it's, that's, which is non-diabetic. Now she certainly has diabetes. It's work, but it can be done. And she's a, a phenomenally happy child who is still eating things, just slightly different things. And it's, when you talk about looking on the bright side, she says it all the time to me. She's like, mommy, I know if I, cause all she ate, we used to, we used to joke that if you are what you eat, McKenna was a carb covered in cheese. She wanted nachos and macaroni and cheese and grilled cheese. And she, and I really, she still eats these things, just different, different ones. Um, but she says, I know I would not, she says she's healthier for having gotten type one than she would have been if she didn't have it. And I, I 100% believe it, that she is healthier now. Not to say that we don't have our swings, because we do, we have bad days, um, she gets sick, she's growing, all these things are happening. But overall, her picture of health, 
I have to think, um, even the doctor has said her picture, her picture of health is better than probably most standard American kids who don't have type one. So it can be done, but that is definitely a whole different conversation because it, it's, it's just this fascinating process into the way that we eat and the way that we think about our kids and their health and the way that we just overall as a society, I think have, have kind of, I don't know, been brought up to think that certain things are right. When you start seeing your data and your numbers, you start realizing like, I think there's a better way to do this. And, and there is. Yeah, and, there and, is. And, I, and I think you nailed it there, like being open-minded to the mm -hmm. fact that there might be a better way yeah. than the way that you're doing it right now. Yeah. And really, that applies for almost everything in life, mm -hmm. if you really think about it. There's always someone that's figured out a more efficient way, oh, yeah. a better way of doing it, and to just stay open-minded to that. Because my first few years of having the disease, I was pretty closed-minded to it. Mm -hmm. I actually did very little research. Yeah. I did very little reaching out, or like I said, talking to anybody about it. I said, okay. I got my insulin shots. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, I can prick my finger. Um, I like eating carbohydrates, yep. so I'll just have to deal with the consequences yes. and figure it out with the insulin part. Yeah. And so I was very close-minded to the idea of going on a lower carbohydrate diet. Mm -hmm. I was close-minded on the idea of having something attached to me, like a Dexcom. Absolutely. I can monitor my blood sugar all the time, and through talking with you, mm -hmm. I mean the first time that I heard, you know, when you were at the studio working out and you said something to Peter, I don't know if it was with, to Peter or me, about your daughter's A1C, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, like, like what, yeah. If she can get her daughter's A1C there, that means I can get absolutely. at least pretty darn close. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, so yeah. So that's, you know, so I want you to know that that's really inspired me that's, to want to take better care you. of myself and to be open, more open-minded to things that could really help me. But, so, yeah, it's, you know, let's, let's keep the conversation going. And, absolutely. And I think we're doing something really good here. Oh, so. I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. Me too. You killed it. Oh, thank you. <laughs>